0: Our thanks to SureTest and CTG for helping us to end childhood cancer. Today on This Week Health.
1: I always tell people it's okay to fail, but let's don't repeat the same failures. Let's learn from those failures. The best part of the program is that failure, which we started with has really shaped the program and made it better.
0: Welcome to Town Hall, a show hosted by leaders on the front lines with interviews of people making things happen in healthcare with technology. My name is Bill Russell, the creator of This Week Health, a set of channels dedicated to keeping health IT staff current and engaged. For five years, we've been making podcasts that amplify great thinking to propel healthcare forward. We want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Now, on to our show.
2: Good morning or afternoon, everybody. I'm very excited to kick off my 2023 This Week Health series. This year we'll be focusing on many fantastic women leaders and sharing their success story. And so without further ado, I will introduce today's guest, Mary Jo. She is a healthcare executive with about 25 or more years of experience. And she is the CIO at UC Health for the Community Connect segment. So mary joe welcome to the show thank you for the time and by the way happy internationals women's day how are you doing today
1: i'm good how are you carla i'm doing
2: fantastic so thank you for the time i really appreciate it why don't you go ahead and give us some quick intro and tell us about yourself
1: yeah sure so i have roots in nebraska i'm a farm girl from nebraska And I never would have thought that I would be living in a city. When I was 10 years old, I loved to be out working with my dad and never really thought that I would move into a healthcare IT career at the time. My life when I was growing up with my dad was doing whatever he did, which meant sometimes riding a horse. I learned to ride at a very young age. I drove farm equipment, large farm equipment. I just really learned to work hard with my dad. And my mom also had a very musical side to her. So at the same time, I was also required to take piano lessons. And so, which having kind of both of those aspects of just working outside, being with my dad, working a lot with men, there was no, no gender difference. You did whatever you needed to do, regardless if you were male or female. And so, like I said, I that's really kind of my upbringing and I think has contributed a lot to my work ethic today. I kind of blend my work with my life with my family. I started out as a med tech and worked in the laboratory for a couple of years and kind of made my way over to healthcare IT via Cerner. I was with them for a few years and definitely learned a lot about not only the laboratory because I started out focusing on their lab applications, but ventured over into their other applications and so just learned a lot about healthcare that I didn't know from my just laboratory perspective. As I mentioned, I I transitioned over to Cerner from the lab and then ended up working for a healthcare organization in Birmingham, Alabama started having my kids, and we also moved up to Cincinnati, spent some time at Cincinnati Children's. And so as my kids entered the world, then I all of a sudden had to balance a lot more things. And very similar to what I had to do when I was growing up, it always seemed like we had something going on, multiple things I had to support. And I found that my work-life balance was very similar, especially introducing the kids. Fortunately, Cincinnati Children's had a daycare on site, so I'd pile everybody in the car in the morning. It started out with one, then it was two, then it was three, so they would go to work with me. I would take them to the daycare, and then I would walk over to where I worked at the hospital. So like I said, I've always really kind of blended my work with my family and just who I am. There's no real separation. I take what I learn at work, to my family. I take what I learn with my family to my work environment as well. I sometimes think of the people that work with me and for me, like my children. I want to make sure they're well taken care of, I want to make sure I listen to them. So again, a lot of communication. I found that to be incredibly important. So after I worked at Children's and found myself with three kids, I actually had to take a step back for a little bit with a non-management role. I think the sort of my turning point was when I had locked my keys in my car two weeks in a row, trying to scramble and rush and make it to a meeting on time. And it's like, time out. I really have to do something a little bit different here, not only for my sanity, but for my children as well. So I took a step back and actually worked for a couple of years in the physician lounge. And this was a while back. And you had physicians that would come in that, literally didn't even know how to use a mouse. And so I worked side by side them and really helped them learn to navigate the EMR again, things were very non-integrated. Some of them were on paper. Some of them didn't use a computer. So here they were in the hospital being asked to actually enter orders for their patients. So it was really enlightening. And so even though when I look back and at the time I struggled because what is this going to do to my career? Is this going to be a real setback? Because I certainly had aspirations to continue to grow, but it was really a great learning opportunity for me. And I really got to understand the physician's perspective. Not only did I work with the community physicians, but I also worked with those that were doing research at the hospital as well and working as attending. So certainly that was a huge opportunity for me to learn a different side of healthcare and really at the elbow with the physicians.
2: Let me interrupt you because I think it's fascinating, right? You're talking about your children. You're talking about having three kids taking them to work with you. And then you feeling like you had to take a step back because you had aspirations. And just for, I mean, and I know you know this, there's many women out there. They're like going through things that you're going through, like, well, you know, I have to take this job and but I really wanna be a CEO or I wanna be an executive. I wanna take this position, but I can't right now. And they feel like they have to sacrifice a few things to get to where they need to. But obviously you're a perfect example of yes, we can do it. It can't be done. It's just going to take a little bit more time, right? So how do you go from, it's all the sacrifices or do you feel it was a sacrifice because obviously you love your children and maybe at that point you're like, this is what I need to do right now. But then how do you go from that to, okay, now I feel like I'm ready for that next step.
1: Yeah, I think everybody's a little different and had, you know, if you were to second guess, would I be in a different place? Maybe, but at the same time, I'm really happy with where I am right now, both from a, who I work for and what I'm doing. So, but it was tough. And, and I've actually talked to a lot of working mothers throughout my career to just say, it's okay. I mean, I remember one day I was sitting in a conference room waiting for one of the project managers to come in and she kind of comes rushing in and literally her hair's still a little bit, not quite in shape. And she just is a little disheveled. And I was like, you know, what's wrong? And she's like, oh, I just don't know if I can do this. And we kind of talked through it and I said, well, first of all, you're not perfect and no one is expecting you to be perfect, neither your children or your employer. And so you have to do the right thing for you. And if you need to maybe get somebody to help out at the house so that you don't have to do that when you get home. So we could just, I frequently have found myself talking to other professional women that I've worked with about, you have to do what's right for you and what's right for your children Mm -hmm. and maybe Augmenting staff in your house will help you feel better and more prepared for work. So, but again, it's a balance. Not all people wanted to do that. So maybe they needed to take less responsibility. So everybody's a little bit different, but I've certainly had a lot of conversation with women about how to do that. So, yeah, I mean, it's all worked out for me. And I think ultimately it will for others as well.
0: We'll get back to our show in just a minute. We have a great webinar coming up for you in April. We just finished our March one on April 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern time, the first Thursday of every month. We're gonna have our leadership series. This one is on CISO priorities for 2023, Chief Information Security Officers. We have a great panel. We have Eric Decker with Intermountain, Shauna Hofer with St. Luke's Health System out of Boise, Idaho, and Vic Aurora with Hospital for Special Surgery and we are gonna delve into what are the priorities for security? What are we seeing? What are the new threat vectors? What is top of mind for this group? If you wanna be a part of these webinars and we would love to have you be a part of them, go ahead and sign up. You can go to our website, thisweekhealth.com, top right-hand corner, you'll see our webinar. And when you get to that page, go ahead and fill out your information. Don't forget to put a question in there. One of the things that we do, I think that is pretty distinct is we collect, like for today's webinar, we had 50 some odd questions that we utilized in order to make sure that the conversation is the conversation that you want us to have with these executives. So really appreciate you guys being a part of it and look forward to seeing you on that webinar. Now, back to the show.
2: That's amazing. I mean, and I'm so happy to hear that you're that mentor for those others that need some advice, right? It's like you said, yeah. it's okay not to be perfect. but. You and I had a brief conversation and you talk about your current role and you mentioned to me that this is the role that fulfills your personal mission. Why is that? you want to share that with us?
1: Yeah. So my current role, one of the areas of responsibility is we call it our affiliate community connect program. And basically what we do is we host Epic and other tightly integrated applications such as PACS. We've also OB trace view is another one. It's used for fetal monitoring. So we have a whole kind of portfolio of applications that we host along with our ERP solutions for HR benefits, payroll, finance, and supply chain. Oftentimes when we go into these hospitals, which is, and I'll talk a little bit more about that, but they've got like an integrated solution today, such as a Meditech or a CPSI or something that is, they're ready to move away from it, but they need a full suite, they need a full solution. So we decided early on that we would host not only Epic, which is very much done out there and multiple organizations are doing it, but we would also offer these other applications. So what we really focus on is what are the organizations that we do interact with today, but are maybe much smaller, can't afford Epic on their own. They may be too small for Epic on their own. So it really allows us to give these smaller organizations basically a world-class EHR without having to divert capital for multiple years by doing it on their own. And we make it very affordable, very reasonable. And not only do they get a world-class EHR and integrated applications, but we also have a really experienced team. So when we started this program, which was back in 2016, 2017, I always like to tell people that the first introduction into this, we had a failure. We were implementing it for the first time with Aspen Valley up in the mountains, and there were various things that contributed to why we didn't succeed, and I can tell you at the time, it felt terrible. I mean, it felt really awful that we had to pull the plug. They felt it wasn't moving in the direction they wanted it to. So what we did with the failure, I mean, who wants to admit they failed? But we actually, and I'll talk a little bit more about lessons learned are incredibly important. And we basically took a step back, looked at why did we fail? What do we need to do differently? Some of it was technologically induced. Some of it was, we didn't have the right people. We didn't have the right approach. We didn't have the right conversations. Some of it was about the people. Some of it was about the process, you know, the whole, the old people process technology. So we really adjusted. We created a team that was focused and created very distinct roles for those areas that each one would focus on. And we went live then with our first hospital with the program up in Laramie, Wyoming, Ivinson Memorial Hospital in August of 2019. So that was our first hospital. Was it perfect? No. Did we make mistakes? Yes. So what we've done with each one of these, we now have a total of four hospitals live, We also have more than 20 small clinics, some large clinics as well. And we also have all of the CU School of Medicine clinics that are on EPIC as well. So our program has really grown significantly with the biggest growth being in the hospital area, as I mentioned. So four hospitals live now, a fifth underway. We are working on our sixth as well. And what we actually kind of back to the failures are okay. I mean, they, you know guide our journey. So not only do successes guide the journey, but failures do. So we actually just as of last week, with every implementation that we've done, we do a lessons learned. And so I said, you guys, what are we doing with that? We spent a lot of time identifying those things. And so what are we doing? And so we've pulled them out and we've got literally over 500 lines on a spreadsheet that we're going through and saying, are we doing this? Did we learn from this? And if we did not incorporate it, then we are seeing if we need to incorporate it. So we've really kind of taken the lessons learned to heart, taken our failures to heart. And I always tell people it's okay to fail, but let's don't repeat the same failures. Let's learn from those failures and make new ones. Not that anyone really wants to fail, but let's don't repeat. So I think that's the, again, the best part of the program is that failure which we started with has really shaped the program and made it better
2: yeah i completely agree with you it's extremely I, that i think that's how we all learn right when something doesn't work then you're like i'll never make that mistake again and then you kind of take those lessons learned and then improve what you're doing you go from there. use them as a baseline but how are you measuring your success like what does success look like for you when you're putting a program together hospital or a clinic or is it different
1: Yeah, great question. And I think, you know, we, from an implementation perspective of our program, we usually sit down with the organization, hospital leadership, and say, what do you want to accomplish out of this? What are your pain points? It's, you know, we have one system in the ambulatory space. We have one system in the hospital space. Everything's non-integrated. We have workflows that are problematic. And so we really sit down with the hospital leadership or the clinic leadership and work together to identify what it is that they do want to accomplish. And we don't always do a great job of circling back and saying, did we succeed in all areas of measures? But where we do always hone in on is the revenue cycle. We always take a look at what was your revenue cycle? What is it currently? What is it post-go live? And we spend a lot of time on revenue cycle trying to make sure that they've reached and oftentimes exceeded. We also want to make sure that quality is, you know, have we improved quality? Because we're not doing this just for the fun of it. We certainly want to look at have we improved quality. So the answer kind of varies as far as with the implementation in the hospitals. Our measures of success and one of the things we've actually done is we've created an action plan. And with that action plan, we have different categories. Analytics is always a big deal. I feel like we always fall short on analytics. And so we've created an action plan to say, here are the things that we need to accomplish to make them more self-sufficient in their analytics. And so That's just one category where we've created an action plan and what is the outcome that we're expecting to achieve and did we make it so that is something we review on a monthly basis and i'm not even directly involved in it anymore, but we definitely have identified some actionable things that we want to accomplish as we move the program forward
2: so. What is the future of the program right now? Cause I mean, you have obviously it's continued to grow. Does, can anybody join, do you have specific partnerships or h- how does that work? And yeah. what, in your eyes, what's the future of it?
1: Yeah, so I touched upon this a little bit but what we're really trying to do is create and put technology in communities. So what goes with that is we can extend the technology that allows the patients to stay in their community. And, you know, I have real life experience from this. My brother back in 2014, lives out in rural Nebraska, was diagnosed with leukemia. And so he came out to UC Health for his care and, you know, he made it through the treatment, which clearly he had to be on site for infusions and whatnot. But when it came to his follow-up visits, he would drive four hours for one 30-minute appointment. Mm because we didn't have the technology in the community. And so part of the reason I'm so very passionate about this is that we're really extending technology to clinicians creating the foundation for clinical collaboration, which allows patients to stay in their community. They have access to world-class clinicians and specialists that aren't necessarily in their community, but through the use of the technology and the EMR platform, they can stay right in their community and receive the treatment and the visits that they need. So that's the future of our program. We currently have a small hospital in Nebraska. We have a hospital at Estes Park. And we've got multiple stories where that patient or many patients were able to stay in their community and receive the care they needed and didn't have to travel to the front range or didn't have to travel. People from the country don't like to live or don't like to drive in Denver. So again, they could literally avoid situations and a waste of time because we're able to give them the technology. I will tell you, we have a lot of requests. We have a lot of organizations coming towards us and asking for us to extend the EMR, but we only do it for the right ones. The ones that want to be a partner, the ones that don't look at us as a vendor, because we are a partner. We're not a vendor. We want to extend our technology and our, like I said, our world-class EMR, but we're not a vendor. We don't have a team. I don't have a sales team. I don't have a team that's only supporting these affiliate hospitals, but they're also supporting UC Health because we have shared resources. There's benefits to that, but there's also downsides. So again, it's really extending to the organizations that need it, that want to see us as a partner, want to work collaboratively with us to leverage the technology and really do the right thing for their patients and keeping them in the community.
2: Yeah, and you talk about extending the technology to the providers whenever they're in those rural communities, but also I believe it's just that if for whatever reason they have to come to the city, the information is available across the system. And so that's important too, right? That you don't have to figure it out. You don't have to get that information from the provider and try to figure it out We're Absolutely. It, yes,
1: it, and that's a great point, Carla. It, it is an integrated medical record. So if we see a patient that comes down from the hospital in Laramie, they come to Northern Colorado for cancer care or any other sort of treatment, the record is available to the clinician here in Northern Colorado that was documented on visits up in Laramie, Wyoming. So it's a single integrated healthcare record. So just from a, even from a hospital transformation in that program, there's huge benefits that are almost becoming a requirement, no longer optional, but it certainly lays the foundation because it is an integrated health record. You're absolutely right.
2: Well. It's fantastic. I'm again, I'm so glad that I got to meet you because we bump into each other and I came to the event. And then it was like, oh my God, Kenneth Lynch is in Colorado. I haven't met this woman and I want to learn about what she's doing. And so I really appreciate the time. Is there anything else you want to share with us before we go?
1: I guess just one last well, and I touched upon it or I mentioned that the people, the process, the technology. I think that my career has been one that it's been fun. And I think. Even though I'm in a technology role, what I really love about it is the people, whether it be the patients or the nurses, the HR folks. I think that's what makes my job so rewarding is just getting to work with people that are doing amazing things. And the technology is the secondary part of it. And just if you're a female leader out there, again, do the right thing for you. There's no right or wrong answers. You can determine what you want your success to be. And it's okay to make mistakes.
2: Perfect closing. Thank you so much for your advice, for your time and looking forward to more conversations, Mary Joe. Have a fantastic day.
1: Thank you, Carla, you too. Take
0: care. Gosh, I really love this show. I love hearing what workers and leaders on the front lines are doing. And we wanna thank our hosts who continue to support the community by developing this great content. If you wanna support This Week Health, the best way to do that is to let someone else know about our channels. Let them know you're listening to it and you are getting value. We have two channels, This Week Health Conference and This Week Health Newsroom. You can check them out today. You can find them wherever you listen to podcasts. You can find them on our website, thisweekhealth.com, and you can subscribe there as well. We also want to thank our show partners, Meditech and Transparent for investing in our mission to develop the next generation of health leaders. Thanks for listening. That's all for now.